Don't poke the bear dragon. A good omens multivoice podfic, written by the wolf and read by Sky Asimaru and Trap. Part 1 of Fur and Feathers and Fantasy Fun. Summary in which Mage Crowley finds himself trapped in Lucifer's court with his magic bound and sees a possible way out when a mysterious creature is captured for Lucifer's menagerie. Crowley's lost count of the days he's been trapped in the Divine Emperor's court by the time Hester and Ligger track the creature in. It looks like an especially perverse creator smashed together all the most intimidating bits of a dragon, a bear, and a bird of prey into one hulking creature. Interference to the size of both its body and all its very many sharp bits, Hester and Ligger have used an almost comical number of shackles and chains to bring it to here. Spotted this biggin lurking on the mountain slopes the other day, and thought you might like him for your menagerie, my lord. Lega says with a sharp jerk to the chain attached to the muzzle, keeping the creature's massive snout clamped shut. In protest, the creature snarls low and vicious, but even after accounting for the many restraints, its movements are sluggish. Sloppy, suggesting it's been dosed with something. Sit out some bite with Huster's poison, and Bob's your uncle. Lega confirms. Well done. Lucifer draws, barely affording the gift a cursory glance from where he's reading over letters from his negligence brawl across a sulking throne. Crowley stares hard at the creature, the hulking furred shoulders, webcore tail, and massive paws tipped with dark claws, and feels his gut sink as he recognizes and accepts the stupidity of what he's about to do. Uh, it's a bit ugly for the menagerie, isn't it? He observes. The creature's head wobbles around to look in his direction. Once it clocks him, he waggles his fingers in sarcastic acknowledgement. It snarls and heaves its entire body forward in a lunge brought up short by the manor guards. Lega and Hester yelp and curse as they wrestle with the tangle of creature and chains as it rumbles and growls deep in his throat and strains toward where Crowley sits on the dais that elevates the throne. Above him, Lucifer tusks. <laughs> I don't think it likes you very much, Crowley. Crowley affects a disinterested truck and conjures a sparkling orb of mage light to begin weaving between his hands in a serpentine fashion. The effort required to perform the simple trick through the dampening confines of his own set of iron shackles makes cold sweat break across the back of his neck, but it's worth it to keep Lucifer's attention on him. 
He needs to play this very carefully. I just don't see what the big deal is. Looks like a dragon went slumming with a bear and then slapped a feather boa on the resulting embarrassment. The creature snarls again and looks like it would lunge at him again, except that Ligas magically shortened the chain between the manacles, so it's hovered. And does it even have any special abilities? Lucifer sits up straighter, finally lowering his papers, and looks toward Hester and Ligger expectantly. Ligger scowls at Crowley, but Hester jumps in immediately with an affronted Oi! and bluster. Seems like a fair question. Lucifer says, and waves a negligent hand at the creature. My menagerie is for the exceptional, not the merely unusual. Can it breathe fire, shapeshift, sing, perform? It certainly seems to understand when it's being insulted. Does it reason? <coughs> it's big! Proper terrifying teeth and claws and the like! Lucifer rolls his eyes and Ligger shoots another murderous skull Crowley's way. On the ground, the creature's attention is fixed on Crowley as it pants and strains against the shackles. The presentation doesn't make its way back uphill from there. Crowley fights to keep his expression blunt as he tosses and catches the mage light with studied nonchalance throughout. Even though he's expecting it, when Hester and Ligger jump him that night as he saunters back towards his hovel of a room, a temporary reward for good behavior and exceptional performance, he still shrieks a little in terrorized surprise. You think you're so clever, you flush bastard! Ligger snarls in his ear as he twists one of Crowley's arms up painfully behind his back and begins frog-marching him back the way he came. <laughs> well, I've always said your big mouth is going to be your end. Hester agrees as he conjures fire in his palm and leads them down a dark corridor that Crowley realizes leads toward the dungeon. Hey guys, hey! What's the big deal? You're not sore about earlier, are you? Just doing my job. You know how it is. Got to keep himself entertained. It's nothing personal. Maybe not. But this, what's about to happen? Extremely personal, mate. No! Come on! Guys! He tries, starting to dig his heels in against the slippery perches of the stone floors as they enter the dungeon and immediately aim for the bigger cells. The ones designed to hold big crowds of people or large creatures. 
And if by some miracle you manage to slither your way out of this, don't think we'll be square. We've had enough of you, Crawley. Hester adds as he strides ahead and peers through a small viewing ledge into one of the cells. He bares his teeth in a grin when the sound of the scraping metal elicits a subdued growl from within. You think Lucifer will like you getting his favourite jester killed? Crowley says shrilly in a last-ditch effort. He's actively trying to squirm away now, and Hester has to quickly step back and grab his other arm to keep him secure. He's going to be pissed! You know he will! I'm willing to take my chances, Lega says, and smacks him sharply against the ear. The world slips a little sideways, and Crowley stumbles, his head filling with a sharp ringing. Hester and Lega take advantage of the disorientation and hustle him forward. Without really tracking every step of the process, Crowley finds himself inside the cell with the creature, with a door slamming shut behind him. The definite thunk of metal on stone almost completely drowns out the sound of Ligger's pointed snap. The creature's shackles fall away, and it lifts itself menacingly to its feet, while Crowley fights to keep his own feet under him. From behind, he hears the sound of the viewing ledge scraping open again, and then Hester and Ligger's twin sniggers as the creature begins to stalk toward him. Crowley holds his hands out placatingly and begins to stumble along the perimeter of the room, keeping as much distance between himself and the creature as possible, as it lowers its head and bears viciously long fangs within its furred and scaled muzzle. <laughs> okay, all right, uh, hi there. Look, I didn't mean any disrespect earlier. The beast snaps massive jaws at him, and he yelps and steps back reflexively, thudding against the cold stone of the cell wall. <laughs> Can we work something out? He squeaks. The creature lunges with a howling snarl, and Crowley goes down with a choked scream. <coughs> Snarls and snapping and gurgling wails fill the room, but the carnage is unavoidably, and unfortunately, in Hester and Liga's opinion anyway, obscured by the hulking mass of the creature as it crouches possessively over its prey. Within a minute, and a few whinging complaints, Hester and Ligger consider the whole thing a bad job well done, and make their way back up out of the dungeon, leaving Crowley to his fate. Once their footsteps and the grumbling echo of their voices have faded away, the creature lifts his head and turns back to stare at the door intently. <coughs> Bloody hell, Xerophil! I'm going to bruise, you miserable twat! 
Crowley winds from his awkward position, wedged almost fully prone into the back corner of the cell, limbs and neck folded like bent nails, with the effort to keep his everything hidden from view of the door. The creature, a zero fail, swings his head back around and favors Crowley with a huffy snort of hot, mildly fitted breath in Crowley's face. Crowley gags and shoves the great snout away from him. Oh, leave off! That is vile! Ugh, it smells like a toad died in a hog's mouth! Aziraphale sits back on massive haunches and shifts his shoulders in an approximation of a shrug. A tumble of grumbles and grizzles spill from between his slightly parted mouth. Crowley shakes his head and holds up his wrists. I can't hear you. I can barely do parlor tricks with these things keeping me cut off to a trickle. I think you can get them off? Aziraphale leans in and eyes the half-inch iron bands critically, then gives them a considering sniff and finally a cringing lick. Crowley rolls his eyes, and Aziraphale rears back and rubs his snout daintily on his shoulder fur. Oh, so you'll eat poisoned meat, but you draw the line at forged iron? He gripes, mostly to keep himself distracted from the possibility that Aziraphale won't be able to break the shackles, which drastically lowers their chances of getting out of the castle alive. Aziraphale darts forward and swipes a white, roughened tongue up the entire side of Crowley's neck and face, and then makes an exaggerated production of smacking his mouth open and closed in distaste. Crowley groans and draws up the thin fabric of his chester shirt to wipe away the cooling slick of saliva. Oh, you bastard! There's no reason for both of us to stink. Fuck's sake, you must have scraped off four layers of skin. It should get you a job as an industrial piece of sandpaper. Great idiot, what were you even thinking following me here? Now we might both be trapped. His voice cracks on the last accusation, and he's horrified to feel a burning sensation behind his eyes. With a soft whine, Aziraphale crowds into a space and folds Crowley against his broad, feathered chest with gentle arms. His paws are big enough that there isn't an inch of Crowley's back left exposed within the hug, and when Aziraphale tucks his snout into the back of Crowley's neck, Crowley wishes for a desperate moment that he might hide himself away completely within the cocoon of warm feather, fur and scale for a time. But since he knows Aziraphale has probably been working himself into a tizzy for the past however long since Crowley was abducted, he makes do with wrapping his arms as far around Aziraphale's torso as he can manage and trying to channel back the same amount of love and safety as he's receiving. 
They cling for several long minutes before Xerophile finally draws back enough to briefly press his forehead firm against Crowley's in a burst of affection. Then, with an apologetic-sounding whine, he uses a big paw to draw one of Crowley's arms around and up perpendicular to his mouth. He carefully takes the edge of the iron manacle between the side of his giant, razor-sharp teeth and pauses. Crowley stifles an alarmed shriek as he realizes what the great bastard is planning. Aziraphale is a precise, fussy sort of creature, and he's taken care to ensure it's the relatively less fragile back of Crowley's wrists that pressed against his teeth, but the potential for a bloody slip is unavoidably high. Aziraphale waits, bright eyes shining eerily from under feathered and scaled brow ridges, until Crowley finally meets his gaze, blows out to shuddering breath, and nods. Aziraphale snaps his jaw close decisively. Crowley feels a sharp sting as both the iron and some of his skin gives way, but it's swamped by the fiery tingle of roughly half of his power rushing back and zipping like lightning through his lamps. Did it work? Crowley! Oh, fiddlesticks, you're bleeding! I'm so sorry, my dear. I did my best, but the cuff was just so fitted. Uh, please tell me you can handle the other on your own now. Aziraphale's voice is muffled, fading in and out like he's speaking through a strong wind. But it's back! back. Crowley can hear him again. They're going to get out of this. He just knows it. Crowley swats the paws fretfully hovering around the superficial cut on his wrists away and clamps his opposite hand over it. A slapdash staunching spell will have to do for the moment. He'll do a proper healing once he gets the other cuff off. I'm fine, I'm fine, he insists, and grabs Aziraphale's broad face in his hands. You're so stupidly brave, you perfect asshole. He plants a smacking kiss on the edge of Aziraphale's snout, just where fur gives way to scales. I'll take care of the other one, and then we can go off together. Aziraphale's shoulders slump, and his eyes close briefly in relief, before he straightens back up and returns Crowley's kiss with a brief nuzzle to his cheek. Yes, please, let's go home. The End